to another episode of the Everything Medical Wellness Podcast, the podcast where we discuss the latest topics in the medical fitness industry. Today's guests are Russell Gage, Fitness Director at Henry Mayo Fitness and Health, and Bryce Branning, Fitness Director at Anderson Health and Fitness Center. Listen as we discuss best practices in new member onboarding and goal setting. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the latest edition of HealthPlex Associates-sponsored podcast called Everything Medical Wellness. I'm really excited about today's edition because we have two of our own professionals. They're going to help us um, learn a little bit about the process of the new member orientation, or as we call it, the onboarding of a new member. Those today are myself, Don Doyle, Senior Vice President with HealthPlex Associates, and Ryan Barr, a Vice President with HealthPlex Associates. So we're, um, like I said, pleased to have two of our own today talking about the onboarding of a new member. So when we look at onboarding, um, we look at maybe like a month-long process of getting a member oriented into the facility properly. Um, boy, most gyms that we encounter as competition, you know, we find that they don't even have a onboarding process or a person is just given a you know, carbon copy of a workout and you know, left to go over their own. So the onboarding process to us, it's, it's probably the most valuable and potentially scary parts of what we do with a new member. Um, they signed up to become part of your team. Now it's up to us to not only live up to their expectations, but help them create expectations. Um, we feel that if we do the orientation properly, we'll have a, a happy member for a long time that will spread the word about how you know, they were comfortable coming into our facility. Um, and just on the opposite, if we don't do a great job with it, we're going to have a member that um, felt that they signed up and were sort of left on their own. So our engagement with a new member is critical. And we start this engagement during our marketing efforts. You know, we're, you know, usually the price leader in our communities and sponsored with hospitals. So the expectation comes with a learning experience and a, and a proper orientation. So our membership service director, when they're touring people on the, you know, through the facility and talking about our programming, one of the big sales for us is how we take care of a new member and how we make sure that they get started properly because we want it to be safe and efficient. And again, when you hang the hospital's name on your front door, it comes with those expectations of a, you know, a safety orientation and a proper use of the equipment. So we want to be sure. And then, you know, as you know, in our industry with medical wellness, we get a lot of high risk patient populations. So we're getting referrals from physicians with you know, diabetes, Parkinson's, cancer wellness programming. So, you know, you can imagine that the onboarding process for that special population is even more important. Um, so, Ryan, our co-host, why don't you talk a little bit about what we do in Singing River and, um, you know, how you uh, sort of created a process for it. Right. Definitely, yes. So, just building upon what you talked about there, Don. It's extremely important to to build the value of your onboarding process, um, health risk assessment, uh, whatever you want to call it. Here at our club, we call it the motivation session because uh, that's what we're trying to do. Um, so anytime somebody comes to me and says, why is your club better or why are you charging more? Uh, as you mentioned, we're always or normally the price leader. My first answer is always our staff, um, our trainers in particular. They're the talent. Uh, our guests on today's podcast, they're the talent. 
right? They're the people that we want our members to uh, enjoy. We want our members to meet them as soon as possible because then they quickly realize the difference of medical wellness. Um, and it comes from um, our professionalism, our expertise um, that we have amongst our training team. Um, I've been a part of every part of this continuum from the marketing side to the intake side, the sales, membership sales, personal training sales, uh, health or, or the um, the uh, the HRA or the health risk assessment part of it as a trainer. And so what I do it mostly these days is I'm taking um, new members, prospective new members and educating them in a very short amount of time about why they need to be choosing my facility here with the Singer River Healthplex, a medical fitness center, and what the differences are. So the, the membership side of this has a very short amount of time to educate these prospective members or walk-ins or call-ins, whatever they are, uh, about what we can do for them and what our team is available uh, and what they can do for them um, and, and how they can reach their goals. So our job is to make sure that these new members understand that to not participate in the onboarding process or motivation session is really cutting their chances of success in half. They must partake in these programs and in these services that we that we offer them as new members um, if they want to succeed in a lot of cases. And so it's extremely important for us to set up or tee up the personal trainers. And so when these people when these new members show up for their health risk assessment or motivation session, they are expecting a lot. Um, and so the trainers need to have that ability so that we don't have, if you have 100 new members sign up for membership in a month, you want as many of those as possible to be coming to these to these sessions to make sure that they understand what they're getting for their, for their dollar. Um, and that's what's important to me for my training staff here. They, I, it's important to me that all of my staff, as well as myself, um, when we do these sales, are are bringing value to this session. So when that new member shows up, they're expecting a lot. And these trainers that we have here and throughout the company of HPA are able to really um, showcase their services and their abilities uh, to the new members. Well said, Ryan. And I think, um, boy, you hit the nail on the head when you said creating value. And um, speaking of value, I'm going to introduce um, two of our MVPs here today. They are both fitness directors with HealthPlex Associates. The first one, I'm going to let them do a brief introduction of themselves and then get into the, uh, the meats and potatoes of this um, webinar. So our first is Bryce Branning. Bryce is in Anderson Regional Medical Center in Mississippi. So Bryce, give us a little background. So, yeah, I'm, I'm from Meridian, Mississippi, born and raised here, graduated from Southern Mississippi, got my degree in exercise physiology, and uh, then moved back home, found, uh, found a job here coming up nine years ago in November, and I've uh, been here since. I love fitness, um, played college baseball at Delta State before going to uh, Southern Mississippi, and love competing. I love CrossFit, and it just... You know, it's it's my passion. Thank you. And uh, I had to joke with them because most of the hospital people there are Mississippi State people. So they tell me that uh, Southern Mississippi is the place for the kids that can't get into Mississippi State. Is that true? <laughs> right? or no? Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Straight for the throat. Good boy. Um, yeah. So our, our, 
Our next fitness professional we have today is Russell Gage out in um, Henry Mayo Fitness Center out in Valencia, California. Russell, give us a brief introduction and how you got into the chair you're in today. Yeah, thanks, Don. Uh, hey, everyone, I'm Russell, as I've already been introduced. Uh, I got started in kind of sport medicine world, played sports all my life, a little bit of everything, mostly baseball, football, went to college as an undersized athlete and got hurt several times. And in that process, spent a lot of time in the athletic training room and, and got really excited about the sport medicine side and what I could do, uh, both athletically in the weight room and then in the rehab process. Uh, started running uh, a sport performance center as the head sport performance coach at uh, Athletic Republic in the Inland Empire. Uh, uh, then got a gym a gym job, my first gym job at UFC Gym in Rosemead, where was my first uh, working with general population, not just athletes. Um, while I was there, I started two different Olympic lifting clubs at two different CrossFit boxes. Um, but I love Olympic lifting. That was the biggest challenge for me as an undersized athlete and really got me going into the fitness realm. Um, and then still had that sport uh, medicine background uh, through that. Started with Henry Mayo Fitness and Health, planned to save to go back to college, and I just fell in love with the place. Um, the professionalism was there. The people were great. It was a little bit of everything. There was a challenge. I was around other fitness professionals who had degrees, certifications uh, that challenged me to grow and challenged me to develop to be a way better coach uh, than I was at the time. And I was very arrogant and thought I was a really good coach and probably still do to some degree, but um, it just challenged me. And I, I loved it. I love the people. I love who I work for. I love who I work with. And I just, I mean, unless the building goes down, I don't see myself leaving. Um, boy, obviously two, uh, very passionate, um, fitness directors that are, um, true fitness professionals. So Bryce, let's, um, can you give us an understanding being in medical wellness, um, which we don't always get our, you know, typical type gym member, um, and men are, many of those are referred from, you know, clinicians, physicians, therapists, graduates of cardiac rehab or something. Can you tell us about your experience in getting those new members oriented properly? Yeah, real quick, Don, I'm just going to jump in, um, if I may. Just, I think it would be good to further define the health risk assessment process uh, for HPA um, before Bryce um, answers his question. I know he's going to jump into a little bit more of the um marketing and advertising for our health risk assessment uh, services uh, to to the public and to the community and to the hospital and even specific departments within the hospital. But our health risk assessment process is, is structured. Now, all of our clubs aren't 100% the same, but it's structured. We do um, um, some baseline measurement testing, basically is what it is, strength testing, flexibility testing, aerobic capacity testing, uh, body fat, blood pressure. Some of our clubs take it to another level with additional equipment. Uh, for example, we have the in-body scale here, which is um, a piece of equipment that really gets you uh, over 100 different metrics um, about body fat analysis. Um, it does visceral fat around the heart, things like that. So the client then can gain a lot of knowledge about their current fitness and wellness level that helps them set the goals. And I know Russell's very passionate about goal setting during the health risk assessment process. Um, so he'll talk more about that. But the goal setting, baseline measurements, uh, 
functional movement screening, all of those um, is, the, is the basic structure for our health risk assessment. Okay, sorry, go ahead, Bryce. Uh, yes, um, yeah, we have an excellent relationship in our hospital with our cardiac rehab, uh, physical and occupational therapy. Um, they're on the same level as us, um, so we see them every day. Um, so that helps us, you know, interact with them and their, uh, you know, their patients. Um, and, you know, they help them feel more comfortable after they're discharged um, to join into our phase three program that's um, a month long. Um, and, you know, to help in that effort, too, uh, we generally set up meetings um, or educational classes um, for each of the, the departments that I just named. And uh, some others, like even the Cancer Center and the uh, Cardiovascular Institute, um, you know, and we try to meet with each of these um, monthly at least. Um, so, yeah, this helps, um, you know, with the clinical prospects to help them better understand uh, what we offer and to help educate also the clinical managers or the nurses or the physicians, whoever is referring uh, the patients to our program. Um, and just let them know what all we have to offer. Um, you know, we strive to uh, be another part of the healthcare continuum. Um, we want to help improve outcomes by being patient uh, specific. Um, also communicating with the providers and decrease uh, hospital readmissions. You know, that's a positive for everyone. That, that, that's great. I, I... I get geeked when I hear people talk about, you know, the continuum of care and getting some of that patient population into what a lot of people look at us as like an expensive, um, you know, commercial fitness facility. But, you know, with your experience and your expertise, it's obviously more than that. So can you discuss the process of, you know, a new member comes in and joins a facility and then gets handed to you and your team for the new member onboarding? Can you discuss the process that you do with that group? Bryce? Yeah. Um, so going with like a clinical um, patient or prospect, um, they usually bring their referral card um, at discharge. They bring it to the front desk, um, set up an appointment with our clinical integration coordinator. Um, and during uh, that meeting with our CI, you know, they go through a test of just a few exercises um, just to kind of show the CI where they're at. Um, at this point, and uh, then they'll write a specific workout for that individual. Um, after their month trial, they'll get another assessment, um, same test at the beginning, and just that helps to show um, improvements and to show our value that we offer. Um, like with a new, like a non-clinical prospect, mm -hmm. Um, if they come into our facility, I tell our front desk, or if I'm doing it, I show them around and explain to them what all we offer. Like, you know, a lot of them, I've met with people and they didn't know that all the group fitness classes were free. They thought they had to pay extra. So we really try to stress with our front desk and the whole team um, to let them know everything. Every little detail matters. Um, you know, with the free gym orientation or HRA, we call it gym orientation. Now it kind of sounds better than uh, health risk assessment. Um, so we kind of changed that. And, you know, 
getting um, to meet with that person, certified personal trainer um, is huge. Um, helps develop a workout plan for, you know, each individual, because a lot of times when a new member signs up they're they, you know, think, oh, I signed up. That's it. You know, it, that's all I have to do. Well, a lot of times I'll see them sign up like that and come in and well, two to three months later, they're canceling because they have no idea what to do. They're not seeing the results. And, you know, it just, it's, it's a very important tool that we offer to retain members. Um, like Ryan said, uh, HRAs, gym orientation, that's, in my opinion, that's a, you know, that's the best play we have is to do that, to retain the members. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, Bryce, I, I know, you know, we monitor, you know, metrics with our company with industry standards. And I know there you do uh, a great job of getting, you know, your new members through the orientation, which is a, um, you know, one of our strategic goals aligned with the hospital of making sure that we're, you know, creating value and creating a safe and efficient program. Can you talk about, you know, just briefly about, you know, how you go, how you and your team go about setting up the program based on the functional movement screens or somebody's, you know, general condition and and what prompts you or triggers you when you're doing the program development? Um, so when we do a gym orientation, the person shows up at their scheduled time. Um, they meet with our trainer. We go um, sit down in a, you know, a cubicle where it's private, discuss their goals, um, you know, their previous exercise history. Um, you know, trying to get a, a wide range of things and ideas of uh, where they've been and uh, what they've done. And just from then on, we go through basic exercises, nothing uh, crazy. You know, I'll, I'll put them through the life fitness circuit, making sure, um, you know, their mobility's there. Um, and I do love functional exercises. Obviously, I'm a CrossFit coach. Um, that's all CrossFit preaches is functional exercises. So if I feel someone it's capable of doing that. I'm, I'm going to give them exercises that are functional to daily life, such as deadlift squats, things that can help them in the real world. Um, but you know, some of the machines are beneficial. Um, for instance, if, you know, if I have a hundred year old person, um, and they, have terrible balance i'm i'm gonna do some balance strengthening exercises russell as a as a fitness director with healthplex associates um you lead a team of professionals you alluded to it earlier um one of the reasons why you love doing what you do is the level of professionalism and the team you get to work with day in and day out um so tell everybody how you approach the goal setting with new members. I know that's just one aspect of the health risk assessment process, but to me, I know goal setting is a big part of what we do here. I think it's a very important part of the onboarding process. So how do you and your team out uh, in California handle that part of it? To me, the one thing 
that can make everything better, and again, every facility is going to be a little different, is if my staff can give better customer service, right? So each position is going to be a little bit different. From the coach's perspective, for me, coaching coaches, I want to develop our coaches to be able to give the best customer service that they can. So that includes the assessment, that includes little things around the gym. So we invest a lot into the continued education and development of our staff. So every Monday we do a professional staff development meeting where we go over basically continued education and uh, kind of have more challenging discussions. And then within the six, first six months of a new trainer's uh, time here, we have a three-month rotating schedule to go over the fundamentals and basics, and that's another meeting during the week on a Wednesday. In those meetings, that's where we develop a lot of our skills for the sales, the science, and the service aspect, where we break down how to analyze um, <clears throat> the movement screen, how to turn that and transfer that into a program design. We go over exercise library, and then one of the main portions of it, which I'm getting to, to be able to answer your question, is doing the assessment with a new member and how to actually communicate to someone, how to have meaningful conversations and go over how to kind of motivate them and keep them on their goals. So goal setting uh, from the perspective of mine and mine staff, because I do this collaboratively with a couple of our uh, more senior trainers, um, we are developing the ability to create realistic, well, I, I think everyone kind of the smart goal analogy, right? Specific, measurable, yeah. attainable, relevant, timely, right? So we we hit a little bit on that, but that is usually taught at this point, but by the time most of our trainers get to us. What we want to be able to do is try to get the other person to create their own goals. And what I mean by that is how many of you out there have worked with someone who does not want to change? Right? There's there's no desire to change. I can't set goals. I can't motivate someone who doesn't want to do it themselves. But I can create actionable steps and help create better habits that are going to help them move towards wanting to develop or get to the answer themselves on how they can do better. So a lot of our um, goal setting becomes more, um, who I'm forgetting the terminology here, this is great on a podcast, uh, <laughs> outcome versus Outcome versus behavioral goals, I believe it is. So a lot of times we sit down and we try to create uh, outcome goals, right? So I want to lose 20 pounds. I want to run a mile. I want to do a pull-up. They're all outcome-based. And what happens is if you create that for people, they lose focus on staying after it and staying motivated in it, right? So member retention of keeping people into the gym to pursue what they're looking for is all, all you do is set these outcome goals. We wanna create more behavioral change goals. So I wanna lose 20 pounds, a behavioral change goal is I'm gonna eat slower. I'm gonna add vegetables to each dinner. We wanna start creating goals that are outcome, uh, not outcome-based, behavioral-based. Um, and that's kind of how we, we kind of talk about goals with a lot of people when they come in is we want them to create these specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and timely goals but we need to make sure that they're – this is going to be my bias coming into this. And I, I will try to step away and say this is my bias a lot of times because I'm biased on a lot of things. Motivation comes and goes. Motivation is there and then it's gone. It's, it's an emotional state. And motivation is great. We, wanna, we want to, as coaches and directors, strike while the iron's hot. When someone is motivated, we want to continue and push that. 
But how do you continue to get someone to keep going when they're not motivated, when there is no energy, when there is no accountability, they don't have a good support system at home? How do you go to keep them going through these motivational times when they fall off the wagon to get them back on? And I've noticed over time that these behavioral goals and creating these step-by-step kind of uh, actionable things that can be done to get them towards the outcome goal helps with that so much, right? You Just any tips or advice for the listeners on the importance of properly orienting new members? Um, we talked about some specifics, but if there was anything that was kind of the main objective for you and your team there that you, you would never skip over or you would make sure you always do this one thing um, uh, in keeping in mind that I know that a lot of our members in our facilities come from physician referrals, so it's just a little different than a commercial club. Um, but what, what would your advice be there? Ooh, ooh, there's so many things. There's so many things. Trust is the biggest thing. If someone doesn't trust you, they're not going to listen to you. So you have to find ways to build the trust. And sometimes that can be very difficult. Uh, there's several different ways that you can do such. Listening. Listening is, I've gone through assessments where I didn't say a word and I got people to buy training because they, I just sat there and listened to them. They told <laughs> their story. They broke down in tears because their husband just passed away. Whatever it may be, listening builds trust. If you are constantly talking at someone and not listening to them, they won't want to listen back to you. So listening is a huge one. Uh, I drill in building value. You you have to build value. And that happens in so many different capacities, right? Listening builds value, making them laugh, making them comfortable, making them enjoy being with you. You have to be a nice person, right? Be a nice person first. And I know that sounds so general, but it's just huge. If you're not a nice person, no one wants to buy anything from you. No one wants to spend time with you. That builds value. You build value in, in investing in people and being nice to them. Building value starts from the moment they walk in the door. The new member comes in the door. They've never been there. Front desk says hello. That built value right off the get-go, right? Front desk takes them on a tour. Membership director, membership team takes them on a tour. They start talking about the training staff. They start, start talking about the programs. They start talking about all these different things that are offered, the assessment, everything. And that builds value ahead of time. So now when they get to the training staff and they're doing the assessment, they already have trust in, they already have value in what's going to happen within that assessment. I think Don or Ryan, you were saying it at the beginning, right? It's we want to show them everything we can give them and offer them because we want to build that value is essentially what you're saying. What we do, what good companies do, what good fitness departments do is they build value in the product, in, in the membership, in the classes, in the trainers. And if you can build that from the get-go, it is overcoming so many more hurdles and obstacles. I've worked at three different facilities before this where the value was not there. It was just about the deal. It was, how can I get the sale? I'm going to get this person in the door no matter what the cost is, and I'm going to set them up on an assessment. I probably had oh, like 10% of people show up for their initial assessment because all it was was just get the sale, get them in the door. There was no value built up. When you start to build the value up, the hurdles are overcome and you can have a lot more successful departments. And, and I mean, we talk about clinical members. We talk about our clinical patients. We're getting clinical referrals from other physicians. Those people who come from their physical therapist, from their physician, they trust them. If you can 
be a nice person and socialize and talk to them and get them to trust you, they're just going to build the value up and send them over and say, hey, I want you to do training with so-and-so. I already trust them. Instead of, hey, you should go over. I'm just referring you to the gym. Careful, I don't know them very well. Like that, <laughs> right? You, there's, there's a huge hurdle to overcome. We've had clinical people come over and they're like, I don't trust you. You hurt me. And it's like, okay, did we? Or are you just afraid because you're not with your physical therapist anymore? If a physical therapist can say, I have all the trust and confidence in the training staff that's over there because of the relationship that I know and have with them, they're going to come over and they're going to have full trust and have that value already built up uh, in you. So I, I, man, I went everywhere, but value, if you can build value and you find several different ways and get several different people involved in building that value up, uh, that is the biggest thing I think you can do for helping people uh, get into the gym and be bought in. Right, right. I, thank you, Russell. I, boy, as you were talking, I started thinking of the old cliche where um, it, it's true in our industry is they don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. So yeah, yeah. I, I hope our listeners got, you know, from this, you know, having our two fitness professionals there that, boy, we kept coming back to creating value. And, you know, it started as creating value for, you know, our services to creating value for our people to creating value for something as specific as a new member orientation. And our industry has all kind of, you know, results and standards and statistics about how people that get oriented properly are longer term members than those who don't. So um, I hope all of our listeners got from us that to help flex associates onboarding a new member properly, taking the time with them, knowing that it's an investment because, you know, we're investing our FTEs, our full-time equivalent staff to help somebody. You know, I've seen people go through three, four, five, six hours with an individual, with one of our staff members until they're, you know, led on their own. So we know that that money invested is helping create value for the membership. So Russell, Bryce, um, I, I really thank you for your expertise and, you know, showing our listeners how, you know, it's it's not overlooked and not just with the process that Bryce shared about, you know, the program development, but, you know, the psyche of it where Russell talked about, you know, creating value and, you know, keeping members engaged and, you know, goal setting and why it's effective and efficient. So, you know, again, we have um, 13 clubs across the country, and this is a process that all of us, you know, do the same because we want to be sure that, you know, again, we're hanging our hospital's name on our front door. We want to help with professionalism, value, and, you know, feeling like we're part of that healthcare system. So again, um, thank you to our guests. Thank you to my co-host, Ryan Barr. Much appreciated as always. And this is the latest episode of Everything Medical Wellness by HealthPlex Associates. Thank you for tuning in to the Everything Medical Wellness podcast. To learn all the latest podcast information, follow our podcast at healthplexassociates.podbean.com. Mm-hmm.